welcome aboard to another episode of Bad Ash Outdoors. My name is Bad Ash. I am a former salmon steelhead guide in the Northwest and turned into just an outdoor lover of all sorts, hunting, fishing, gathering. But I was basically taught all of these outdoor skills by friends and people that were just, you know, willing to show a kid something when I was younger and have continued to invest in me as I've grown into um, a more skilled angler and hunter. And what I am doing this podcast for, the reason why I am in your ear is because I like to pay that forward because that's what you do when people teach you how to fish. You you teach somebody else how to fish or you share knowledge otherwise. That's what this is all about. And since uh, the podcast is on its fourth episode now and it's continuing to evolve and I get to make it my own, which is super fun and the joy of having your own podcast, we are going to talk about the hilarious parts of fishing. So there are some fishing facts that I've gathered for you all. I think that you will enjoy as much as I certainly have. We're also going to talk about shopping for gear. I get a lot of questions uh, through my Facebook page especially Badash Outdoors on Facebook of, hey, what should I use for this? What should I use for that? Do I need to spend the money on this? Can I save a dollar by buying that? We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to end on some of the top mistakes that fishermen make. And I'll throw in a few of my best practices. And then as usual, I will dub the king salmon of the week. Spoiler alert, it is going to be a queen salmon this week. How about that? All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Let's get fishing here with some facts of fishing. So I, you know, I heard a couple of these facts and I thought, oh, this is going to be perfect to share on the podcast. And then I started doing some research and the things that I have uncovered, uh, I, I never I never knew. I never knew a lot of these things. And and I'm, I'm kind of stalling here because the first one... <laughs> I how do I present this? Okay, so fact number one. Fact number one, there is a fish uh, called <laughs> there's a fish called the slippery dick. <laughs> it is a tropical fish as um, apparently slippery dick fish are. They're tropical uh, and it is an Atlantic tropical fish. So if you're wondering where slippery dicks come from, they come from the Atlantic in tropical areas. Fact number one started with a bang there. Uh, okay, here's a good one. Fact number two, most lipstick brands contain fish scales. That's how they get their pearlesque look, the color. I, I can't tell you how happy I am about this for one. I know that there's gonna be a lot of women that are grossed out by the idea that there are fish scales and the things that they are slapping on their lips. Uh, but I, I actually find this quite, um, Gosh, this is just a great card I'm going to have in my back pocket. You know, most of my friends and most of my female friends are involved in outdoor things too, right? They're fishermen. So a lot of them are like, yeah, cool. There's fish in my lipsticks. Better than having, you know, bat poop in my lipstick or something like that. And I said that because that's what's in mascara. Yeah, that's in mascara. Uh, but I always come across a lady here and there that's like, oh, I can't stand fish. I can't stand fish. And I hope that they put on lipstick. And then I'm going to pull this card out of my back pocket. And the card's going to be, there's fish in your lipstick. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, fact number three. Herring communicates. Yes, they communicate with each other. They communicate for uh, safety. And they communicate through 
farting. <laughs> they communicate through flatulence. So I guess they all get together and they have a big old herring farting party and it keeps them safe and that's how they communicate and stick together and that sort of thing. So he, uh, herring communicate through farts. I uh, believe my grandpa always also did that too. Moving on. There's a shark in Greenland and it eats polar bears. Also, it lives to be around 200 years old. Take that Loch Ness monster. Greenland has polar bear eating sharks. Uh, next one, and this is probably one of my favorite ones. In Yoro, Honduras, yeah, in Honduras, there is an event where it rains fish from the sky. And they don't predict when this is going to be. It's always during their storm season. There is, you know, just a massive storm and torrential downpours and little fish just fall from the skies. And my little fisher girl heart... Oh, if fish could just rain from the skies for me, oh, that'd be fantastic. But it happens in Honduras. So if you want to see fish rain from the sky, spend some time there because it happens. It really does. I've saved my favorite two fish facts for the last two. So the first of those is NYU had an experiment where they created a robo fish. To, to spend time with another group of fish that they had, you know, in this experiment. And the robo fish became its leader, the leader of the other fish. And the other fish started following around this robo fish. And it reminds me of Toy Story where um, Buzz Lightyear gets dropped into the toy thing and all the aliens are like, leader. That's just what that reminds me of. There's this robotic fish swimming around and all of these little fish just dazed and following it around. I think that's amazing. And then uh, last but certainly not least, and uh, I, I'm shocked by this, but I'm, I'm not as shocked as I should be. So here's the thing. There's a, a state law in Ohio against getting a fish drunk. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ohio. If you're from Ohio listening, um, please tweet me or email me and and. Share if you have any experiences with this or know anybody that maybe is like um, had an experience with the law or getting a fish drunk because uh, I just I, I hope it's not happening. But if you know, I'm sure there's a law for a reason. Right. And I kind of I'm curious. I want to know, like, has there been is there just a whole bunch of Ohioans? Is that right? Ohioans just, you know hanging around the barn one night and like ah, oh, we have an extra beer and there's a fish pond over here well what do we do with all of it like what how is this happening is it like the fish and like fish tanks at home like how are you getting these fish drunk and how are yeah and what do they do when they how do you know that they're drunk there's so many questions uh yeah this fact just just raises a lot of questions so in Ohio, there is a state law against getting a fish drunk. Don't do it in Ohio, guys. You're going to get in trouble. Don't be getting those fish drunk. My goodness. Fish facts are so much fun. And, uh, and, and again, if you have any fantastic fish facts, or if you're in Ohio especially, and you've run in with the law about getting a fish drunk, please shoot me a message, ash at badashfishing.com. Tweet me, ash at badash outdoors, uh, because fish facts are always so much fun. You learn something new every day. Herring communicate through farts, slippery dick. There's polar bear eating sharks. It rains fish. 
robotic fish leaders, and you will probably get some sort of ticket felony for getting a fish drunk in Ohio. I love it. Uh, and, and something else that people ask me about a lot is uh, shopping for gear. And so this is the next segment of the podcast here. Uh, I get a lot of questions of, hey, you know, what kind of rod should I buy for this? And should I spend a lot of money on waders and things like that? So I put together a little list of things that you you can go cheap on when it comes to fishing. If you want to save a dollar and, you know, we all like to save a dollar where we can, there's, there's areas where you can do that. And then there's also areas where I really don't recommend that you go too cheaply on. So first, let's talk about the things that I think you should spend the extra dollar on when you're putting together some fishing gear. And, and I will throw a disclaimer. I will speak to people that are maybe new at fishing or just kind of getting into it or don't fish a lot. Maybe you go a handful of times a year. I will throw out some advice for you. And I will also throw out some advice for the angler that's, you know, going more than 25 times a year, that sort of thing. So experienced angler or someone that goes a lot, I'm I'm talking about like 25 times more a year and somebody who's newer or doesn't isn't able to get out as much. Um, like I consider this like maybe less than 25 times a year and there's no hard and fast rules. I'm just trying to find some sort of like um, some sort of line there, I suppose. So things that you shouldn't go cheap on. Uh, number one, Absolutely, do not go cheap on your hooks. You're, you're spending the time and the resources to get out and go fishing. You finally get a fish on. You've done your homework. You figured out where you needed to go. You bought the license. You, you know, lied to your boss about where you're going to be because it's not at work. I mean, you went fishing and, and you get a fish on and the hook breaks. Man, you don't want to be there. I've been there. Let me, you know, I, I feel like I've paid, I've paid this price, hopefully for somebody, please don't, don't do this. Spend an extra dollar or two on hooks because it usually isn't a big difference between the more expensive hooks and the less expensive hooks. We're talking about a couple of dollars. And, and so like some hooks that I use, I use all gamakatsu hooks. I've used owner hooks too. There's a lot of really good hooks out there. And I guess the ones that I'm talking about is if it seems just too cheap or they're like, you know, maybe free or something like that, just be leery of that sort of thing. You don't want hooks that break. Buy from a reputable brand that you trust and spend the extra dollar on those. The next thing that you don't think you should go cheap on is line. And for the same reason as hooks, uh, you don't want, you know, line that's super cheap. That's, you know, liable to break. You want to use the correct line for the type of fishing that you're using. Um, there's a lot of folks that really love uh, mono. There's a lot of folks that like monofilament line. And there's a lot of folks that really like braided line. Personally, I'm a braid person because when I have a fish on, I like I like the security and knowing that that line is really likely not going to break. I mean, it's going to take a fish wrapping me up in a log jam or off a really sharp shelf of lava rocks and why like it's going to have to be something more extreme to break braid um or if you're using braid that's just way too small for way too big of a fish outside of that if you're using an appropriately rated braid for a fish like a salmon or a steelhead i don't worry about that breaking um and, and then sometimes like mono and things like that um could where or braid usually wouldn't but a lot of people really prefer fishing with mono and so that's fine too regardless of what you choose choose from a reputable brand and spend the extra dollar on your line because you don't want to watch that fish swim away over saving you know 
$2.50 on a little spool of line. Um, so the next thing, don't go cheap on your reel. So if you're going to buy a rod and a reel and you're like, you know, I want to save money on one or the other, I say save the money on the rod. If you want to upgrade later, you can and spend the money on a reel because that's the sort of thing that can cause you to lose a fish or really, you know, short your day if your reel malfunctions for whatever reason. And if you're listening to this and you're in the Pacific Northwest or you're fishing somewhere where the environment can be a little tougher, it's really cold, really rainy, you know, you're fishing small tributary rivers and, you know, you're likely to get dirt in things, that sort of deal. You want to spend your money on a high quality reel that's going to be able to take it. You're not going to have any drag issues. You're not going to have any sort of, you know, slippage or anything like that. The reel is somewhere you want to go. Uh, I recommend Shimano reels. You can get a really fairly priced reel um, and, and and still a high quality one that you can depend on too. And if you pop onto my website, badashfishing.com, I have a blog called Steelhead Smart, how to get ready for steelhead fishing. And I go through item by item, the line, you know, rod, reel, all of those things that I use and what I use. And so if you want some ideas, that's a great place to get those. So some things that you can go cheap on, though. So the things that you can save a couple dollars on and they're not going to make a big difference in you know the long term of things is the types of things that you use a lot of. Um, so maybe you're buying beads for trout or steelhead fishing and you're buying yarns and things like that. You don't need special, super, you know, expensive yarns. A yarn's kind of a yarn. Like we all have our preferences and things like that. But if you are looking to save a dollar, you can save your dollars there. Yarns and beads, things that you go through a lot of lead. You don't need to spend a lot of extra money on things like lead. Swivels. Swivels is another one of those things. And the disclaimer here is if you're using like a crane swivel or a rolling swivel, yeah, go, you can go cheaper. Um, I wouldn't go like if someone offers you a bunch of rusty old free ones, like just use common sense. But outside of that, you can save some money on your swivels. I would say, again, back to the disclaimer, barrel swivels are something that you probably do want to steer clear of because they tend to not roll as easily. Um, so, so be careful with that one, barrel swivels. Go for the crane swivels, the rolling swivels, that sort of thing. And tools. So things like nippers and scissors and things like that. There's a lot of really high quality, amazing things out there that you can, you know, spend a couple bucks on. But if you're looking to save a dollar, I remember when I was a kid, I brought like I had a pair of fingernail clippers that lasted me like years. And I tied it onto a string and tied it to my bag or hung it around my neck. And those were my nippers. And, you know, I had, you know, cheaper pliers and scissors for, you know, cutting bait or whatever. Those are some things that you can save a couple dollars on too. And if you're going to fish a whole bunch and you really want, you know, good tools that you can depend on, Spend the money on great tools like Gerber tools that have like fantastic fishing things out right now. And if you want to, but if you want to go um, the more cost effective route, yeah, you can totally like steal the kitchen scissors from home and the nippers from the drawer and things like that. And you can make it happen. So those are my tips on go cheap on slash do not go cheap on for fishing gear. Now, I do want to talk about clothing as well. So Probably the most common question that I get is waders. Do I buy expensive waders? Do I buy cheap waders? How should I make this decision? What do you think? Tell me what to do. 
Okay, here's the deal. This is where the plus 25 fishing trips or more comes in a year and then the maybe less than that. If you're going like a couple times a year, that sort of thing, you should definitely spend, you know, I think that you should go the more cost effective route for waiters because ones that you buy at big box retailers are going to hold up for you and keep you warm for a handful of trips a year. Now, if you're going out there and you're beating up the rivers every single weekend, a couple times a week, the entire season long, yeah, I say spend a little bit more money, get yourself a higher quality pair of Sims waders or something like that, and you'll enjoy that too. But here's the thing, a lot of folks, you know, hear me say, oh, you know, Sims waiters are great. They're like, oh, Sims waders are so expensive. Here's the deal. Sims has a pair of stocking foot waders online right now for $179.99 on their website. And it doesn't come with shoes, but you don't have to buy the most expensive pair of wading boots to go with it. You can buy a cheaper pair of wading boots to go with a really great pair of waders and upgrade whenever you think it's the appropriate time to upgrade. So, I mean, don't assume that it's going to be super expensive or way more expensive um, from a really reputable company like Sims as opposed to, you know, the big box store down your street because it, it may not actually be. So, you know, you buy a $180 pair of waders and a cheaper pair of boots and you can keep this under $250 for waders and boots. You might pay something similar at a big box retailer within, you know, $75 or something like that. So there's that to consider. And rain gear general rain gear, like a good rain coat. This is something that you do not want to go cheap on. And, you know, also, you know, take this as for what, take this for what it's worth. I worked in the Olympic Peninsula. It rains 130 inches of rain a year. You know, just for comparison, Seattle rains like 30 inches of rain a year. Portland, about the same thing. It, and, and those are considered like the rainy cities, right? Like it is a significant amount of rain out on the Olympic Peninsula. And I, it's so important to have good rain gear that's going to hold up because there's nothing that ruins a fishing day faster than getting a little bit wet. Because once you get wet, you get cold very, very quickly and your fingers stop working and it's just hard to, you know, do fishing things. And it's just miserable and you don't want to go. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with men that have been on fishing trips with me and, you know, decided to wear, you know, cotton or something like that. And then, you know, maybe their raincoat, you know, got wet or whatever. And for some reason, they're all wet and cold. And, and we've had to end the day a little bit earlier than we wanted to. And sometimes that just happens. Weather is weather. But I mean, I like the saying that there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing choices. So take that for what it's worth. If you live in an area where it's not that big of a deal, then it's not that big of a deal. But for those of you that are in the Northwest or another environment where you see a lot of rain or a lot of the elements, yeah, go. I would definitely go go spend the dollars on the good rain gear. So shopping for gear, the things to go cheap on, things to not go cheap on. If you have any other suggestions or some things that really worked well for you or ways that you saved some money on fishing gear, yeah, send that to me. Again, ash at badashfishing.com. I would love to hear more about that. Or tweet me on Twitter at ash badashoutdoors. There we go. 
Uh, okay, so that's a good lead-in, good fishing gear, good hooks, line, things like that is a great lead-in for the top 10 mistakes that fishermen make sometimes. And a lot of those things that we just talked about with shopping, you're going to hear them reoccur again with mistakes that, you know, I see fishermen make or or <laughs> that I have made myself and I'm just telling, <laughs> just telling you to learn from me. <laughs> um so I'll go through about 10 of those things and then I'll pair them with some good practices too because, I mean, it's great to know what you should not do, but what about what you should do? So we'll talk about all of those things. Uh, number one, not doing your homework when going fishing. Yes, I know fishing's supposed to be all fun and no things like homework, but a lot of us see homework for fishing as some of the fun parts too. So really Put a little bit of effort into considering where you're going, what time of the year that you're going, what kind of fish that you're targeting, what what things those fish like. Feel free to like ask other people. I mean, even your local retailers, you can ask them. A lot of them are really have a good pulse on what's happening in the area and can help give advice um, and point you in the right direction in terms of where you should go and when um, and that sort of thing. So do a little homework. You know, look at look at the weather and see how that's going to impact fishing. You know, check, you know, season regulations and information for your local area. Make sure that you're not fishing out of season. Make sure that you're fishing at an ideal time. A lot of uh, local state fish and wildlife departments. A lot, let me try that again. Local state. A lot of fish and wildlife departments have um, areas on the website where they kind of give an indicator of when a good time fishing for fishing is on certain lakes and rivers, that sort of thing. So do that homework. The information is there. You just have to do a little bit of work to go and find it. So do the homework. Uh, number two. Using an old hook or the wrong hook. So we talked about not going cheap on your hooks, but what about, you know, you spent some money on hooks and they've been in your garage for 25 years and you're like, oh, but it's a good brand. Should I still use it? I mean, it depends. I would definitely say probably don't. Um, so if things have been kept in, you know, premium condition, you don't think it's that old, you know, if that's something that you want to try, that's that. But if it's been sitting, you know, and collecting dust and, you know, maybe it's moisture and things like that, or it's a little bit rusted, that sort of thing, or you've used it, you know, last season and it's just been sitting and it's, you know, again, rusty or old or, um, or otherwise like, otherwise old looking any other indicators of like um like sometimes they get like metal gets like that white buildup on them i can't find the word for it right now but um corrosion yeah corrosion that sort of thing uh don't go there don't use that hook throw it away um and, and buy new hooks and, and don't use the wrong hook too right so little tiny, tiny hooks for a big fish, really, really big fish or really, really big hooks for, you know, a softer, smaller mouthed fish, things like that. So the right hook and a new hook, a, a clean hook, a fresh hook, not an old hook. And the next one, number three, this is one that um, I, uh, I made this mistake. I made it. I have. I've made this mistake. Checking your drag. Oh, I know it's so it's so obvious and, and, and I know better. <laughs> um, but 
it's such an easy thing to overlook. And I'll tell you where it happens. So, I mean, it's one thing to like check your dragon, that sort of deal. But if if you're in like really, really cold weather and maybe your your rods and reels sit out in the garage and it's been cold or they spent, you know, an overnight in the boat and it's been really cold, sometimes drags will kind of like like tighten down in a way. And so you should check your drag before every fishing trip and usually check it a couple times like during a fishing trip because sometimes after you've caught a fish, your drag can tighten up a little bit. There's just things that can happen. Check your drag. I can remember so, so depressingly, vividly the fish that have swam away because the line snapped because no drag will peel out. The drag was tightened down or fish that have swum away, swim, swam. The fish that have swam away because the drag was so loose that they just said they had no idea that they'd even been hooked. They're just swimming around and lines peeling off the reel. You don't want either of those situations. Just check the drag, please. Check the drag. Check it. Um, number four, don't stand on the fish. I know it seems very obvious, but it happens so often. It happens so much more than you would think, too, especially when you come down to your river and the river's kind of maybe it's higher and maybe the river's blown out or it's a little bit dirtier. It's a little stormier, stormier and you the sea, the hole that you usually fish in, maybe it's on the other side of the river and you really want to get to it. Think about it like this, like when water is high and dirty, fish come up and then they push to the sides of the riverbanks. So a lot of times in a high blown out dirty river, you're stepping into the river and you're stepping right on top of where those fish are going to lay because the edges of the river are the soft waters that are easy for them to lay in. So keep that in mind. Anytime you approach a river, spends time approaching it. Approach it from far away. Take a really good look at what you've got going on, what your river level is, what your water situation is, and then approach from there. Especially if you're in really low and clear water because fish have fantastic vision. They have like, I mean, imagine like a cone, like a road cone, flip it upside down to where the little end is on top of the fish's head. They see up and out and they see very, very well. And so I've been, you know, on top of a hill, walking over a hill down to the river and I can see a steelhead and as soon as a steelhead, as soon as I see the steelhead, it starts moving away and, you know, darts over into a shot or like a shadowy area. And it's out of my sight now because it saw me even from a long ways away, yards and yards away. Don't stand on your fish. Pay attention. OK, number five, weather check. And I know I kind of mentioned mentioned this for homework, but I mean weather check for the fish and for you. Be able to dress appropriately and really prepare for the type of fishing days that you're going to have. I learned this lesson really, really well recently because I went fishing with a good friend of mine up in Forks. His name's Mike Z. He's a fantastic salmon steelhead guide. If you're looking for one, I highly recommend him, Mike Z up in Forks. But I went on a fishing trip with him. I wore a lot of great base layers. I wore really good clothing and I, I brought gloves, but I left them in the truck. I'm like, oh, I'm not really going to need these. But I was on a fishing trip where I wasn't rowing and it made a really, really big difference. And I wish I would have brought things like hand warmers and warm drinks and things like that. If I had really paid attention to the weather and how cold it was going to be, it was in the 20s that day. And I think it got down to the teens at some point. I would have I would have dressed a little bit differently or prepared a little bit differently. And I was pretty miserable the last two hours of the trip. And I finally sat down and was like, I have to just tuck my hands in my coat and try to get warm here. And guess when the fish started biting? Oh yeah. As soon as I put the rod down, it was, uh, 
Shame, shame, shame. So check the weather. Check the weather for the fish. Check the weather for yourself. Uh, Six, don't make the mistake assuming that the fish will always be in the same place that they were the last time. They say that the river is a different river every time you approach it. That's absolutely true. And fish move. So there's a lot of times there's holes and areas that, you know, are just kind of they're proven winners, but really spend your time exploring other areas. Just because fish held up in one area one time doesn't mean that they will the next time. And really approach every fishing situation considering the conditions and the season, the time that you're in. So what worked in the fall is not going to work in the spring all of the time. So be aware of that. Fish in different places. Don't just be a one-trick pony. Fish and fishing in the same place all the time. Oh. Number seven. Faulty gear or not having your things set up. So we talked about old hooks, but faulty gear can apply to, you know, the the line that you're using, the rods, the reels, the, you know, you name it. Anything that happens in the process from getting out of your bed and getting in the truck with all your gear, the boat, you know, anything, all of those things. Faulty gear is something that happens all of the time. Reels and, you know, that freeze up, you know, uh, a tackle box that, you know, got a bunch of moisture and all of your things are ruined inside of it. Really check your things thoroughly before you go fishing. And even when you come back to set them up for the next trip and then not being set up. So not having your tie ups ready to go. You don't have any, you know, hooks tied up. You don't have, you know, your baits not ready or your baits not in good condition or it's very old or that sort of thing. So not having your things set up and faulty gear is also, you know, a very common mistake that keeps us from catching the fish that we want to catch. And I would say, think about this. To me, the gear piece, the the homework, the setting things up, this is the time where I pour a a Sauvignon Blanc and I sit in the garage and I put my gear together and get everything set up. Sometimes it's an IPA. It's probably an IPA. Um, but anyways, you have a drink and you sit in the garage and you turn on a little bit of music and you get your stuff all set up and think about all the fish that you're going to catch the next day. That's the fun and make it a fun time and get your gear set up and set up well. And number eight, watch people, watch people, watch people. <laughs> Does it sound creepy? But but really, I mean, it doesn't have to be creepy unless you wanted to. Um, but watch people and see what other people are doing um, and, and see where other people are catching fish. So I remember one time I was giving a seminar and someone said, yeah, I was doing this and I was fishing and it was working OK. But then, you know, my buddy just above me, he caught a fish and I was like, ah, oh, the, the hole is ruined. Now I'm going to go somewhere else and fish. And, and I said, no, don't. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. If you see somebody catch a fish, I mean, look at that as a great, I think. Like, you know that there's fish there. There are fish living in this area that you're fishing in. And here's the thing. Steelhead generally aren't there alone by themselves. There's, there generally isn't a lone steelhead just sitting in the hole behind a boulder alone, especially later in the season you go. They're very often paired up, a buck and a hen. So if you see a buck come out of the water, you know, look for a hen somewhere. And, and this applies to all sorts of fish. Lots of fish like to group up and be together. And so if a fish is biting and you know it's there in this area of the river that you're you're hanging out in man spend some time there don't leave do do does you know catching a fish and a fish thrashing around sometimes like slow down the bite for a while yeah i mean you may not catch it on the next cast but and, you know you're there the hole calms down a little bit you fish a little bit longer yeah you can definitely catch a fish and you know that there's fish there don't leave fish to find fish fish there 
And, and you can uh, you figure that out by like watching, right? Pay attention to what other people are using and how they're catching them. And you don't have to be like weird and shady and, you know, creepy um, <laughs> like me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm a little creepy, <laughs> but, but, but watch people and you can ask people too. What are you using? What are you, what are you doing? Like that sort of thing. Most people, and I would say definitely true for me, like ask, Hey, what are you using? What's, what's, what's good? What's working? I'm, I'd love to share that information. And most people really do too. So watch, pay attention, see what's going on around you. And uh, yeah, take those mental notes. Uh, number, that was number eight, right? Number nine. Well, I have a couple more. I'll just go on the last couple ones. Weak knots. Uh, and I see this most commonly with braid. Folks that use braid, you have to use knots that you wouldn't normally use with like mono. So like knots that you use with mono that you um that you would use on braid like would slip with braids like a regular like slip knot would slip through with braid you need to use palmer knots with braid and you can you know learn those by a switch a quick google search and you can see how palmer knots are done but uh, use appropriate knots if you're not sure if the knot you're using is a problem you know, spend a couple minutes online, take a look at uh, fishermen and the knots that they're using. There's a ton of information out there, especially on YouTube. Um, there's like, you know, just a couple minute long videos of, you know, people just tying knots. And you can even like look for the appropriate um, knot for the fishing that you're doing. So you don't have to say fishing knots. You can say salmon fishing knots, steelhead fishing knots, trout fishing knots, walleye fishing, braid, you know, this, that, the other. There's all of that information out there. But um just be sure of the knots that you're using. Be confident in those. And if you don't know, find out. Um, check your leader after you catch a fish. This is the last one. Uh, so, you know, you have good line. You have, you know, good equipment. You tied a great knot. You have a good hook. You catch a fish and then you go to catch another one. But if you don't check your leader, sometimes those leaders can really, really get frayed or compromised otherwise from the thrashing uh, that, you know, the fishes put that line through and rubbing on the ground and on the rocks and whatever else. And you grab it and maybe your pliers touch it while you're getting the fish unhooked. Things happen. Check your leaders before you catch another fish or go fishing again if you run your fingers along the line and you feel bumps or nicks or anything like that change it out and a lot of times I'll just change it out anyways especially if it was a pretty good fight and I know there was a lot of tension there I just change it right out better to be safe than to be sorry and so those are some of the mistakes that fishermen make and you know some things to rectify those is you you know use the right knot do that homework um change out your leaders you know, check the drag. It's really all of these things. The thing that they do have in common is they're all preventative, right? They're all proactive as opposed to reactive sorts of things. So think about it that way. Anytime you get set up for a fishing trip and uh, you'll be in pretty good shape. So that's my advice there. Uh, so we've come to the end and the way I love to end my podcast is calling out something awesome, someone awesome, something cool that just makes you smile in outdoor things. It's generally someone that is, you know, committed some sort of act of kindness or goodwill upon the great outdoors. This week, I have to dub a queen salmon. So here's the deal. There's this tournament in Alaska, Alaska's annual Homer Winter Salmon King Tournament. 
And for the first time in its 26-year history, Shayna Perry of Eagle River, she prevailed over 1,401 participants, and she caught a 26.7-pound king salmon, let me clarify, a white king salmon, to win the tournament. And she got a fantastic payout from this. Her her earnings from this tournament were $28,000, $28,040 for her triumph in this derby. And, and again, like I said, this was for a white king salmon. And here's the deal. I think it's like one out of every, you know, 20 king salmon are white kings and a white king is the meat is white so the fish is literally unable to process pigment from their prey and so they don't get that red color that they you know acquire from eating crustaceans and things like that so you know the fish looks just like any other king salmon from the outside and then you you know stick a knife into it and it the the flesh is white you know some people claim it tastes better I have no idea. I've had white salmon and I'm not really sure if I think it tastes any different. But either way, this rare catch got her a fantastic earning. Here's what I love about this. I love that women are getting more involved in these tournaments, more involved in these outdoors events. And, you know, this this tournament's a big one. It's a pretty big payout. It's a pretty well-known one. And out of 1,400 participants, she was the winner. Yes, I love it. Way to go, Shayna. You are the Queen Salmon of the Week. Thank you so much for representing out there, catching the big fish, bringing home the money. at a girl. Well, thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of Badass Outdoors. If you have any questions or things you want me to cover in future podcasts, shoot me a message. Ash at Badass Outdoors. Uh, and Facebook me, uh, Badash Fishing Outdoors. Check out my YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of information and fishing things on there, especially cooking. If you love cooking fish, game, otherwise, you'll really love the YouTube page. And again, that's Badash Outdoors. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week, and you are free to disembark. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.